How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Now, welcome back to the show. I'm really anticipating tomorrow afternoon we get one of the biggest sporting events of the year. Talked about it on a sports talk yesterday. It's the Women's World Cup, and you might roll your eyes, Women's World Cup, what are you talking about? No, this really is going to be one of the most watched sporting events of the year. It's the USA against France at 2 p.m. Going to be a big crowd at Finn McCool's. I'll be out there. I'm going to get there way early so I can actually get a spot. I cannot wait. Hope you're out there with me. We'll talk more about this in hour number three. But, yeah, it's, it's just going to be massive. It's the number one team in the world, the United States, against the host nation, and the number four team in the world, and a team that a lot of analysts say – Maybe the favorites now, since they are the home team, have that advantage and also the way they're playing over there. So can't wait for tomorrow and, uh, you know, one of those patriotic sports days that we can all kind of get behind. That's tomorrow at 2. Now on Sunday, that's when the NBA's free agency period opens. We see lots of shifts and moves across the NBA. These teams in the NBA have over $470 million to spend this year. That's over double the amount that they had last season. Uh, combined to spend, the salary cap went up from 101 to 109, so that helped a little bit. But, yeah, just a, a slew of teams opening up big-time space and max contract levels, including the Pelicans who have one, and now the Los Angeles Lakers after trading away those three players to the Washington Wizards earlier today. We'll bring on in Jake Madison, friend of the program, to talk about it. Uh, Jake's a host of the Locked on Pelicans podcast that you can find on well, your favorite podcasting app and also LockedOnPelicans.com. That's every day. It's really must-listen stuff for any Pelicans fans. And you want to also follow Jake on Twitter, at Nola Jake. Jake, uh, what's going on, buddy? I understand that you're out of town, too. Everybody's out of town right now. He was traveling for work, still doing podcasts out of my hotel room, keeping up with everything, because it is just nonstop news these days leading up to free agency. Yeah, it really is. What do you make of what happened today? I've seen some fans complain, oh, why would you help out the Los Angeles Lakers with this? But um, it was something, Jake. The Lakers were going to do this regardless with somebody, right? So I guess the Pelicans got a little benefit out of it. Yeah, you know, there were multiple ways they could go about to free up the $32 million in cap space that they now have. And if you're the Pelicans, you may as well get involved and get something back in return. And they're getting $1.1 million in return, which is nothing to, you know, sniff at along with AD waving his trade kicker, which saves him another $4 million. So it's a net gain almost of 5.1. And if you're New Orleans, that's great. You know, that pays for your practice facility renovations that are going on right now. So overall, if they were going to be able to do this, like you said, you may as well get something back for it. And when you look at the picks that the Pelicans are getting back from the Los Angeles Lakers, they're so far out that one season of them having some more cap space isn't necessarily going to impact anything. And there's arguments to be said that, the Lakers should try and round their roster out with more depth rather than chasing another star. So maybe in some weird way, this could end up hurting Los Angeles more so than helping them. Yeah, we won't talk a lot of Lakers here, Jake, but I am curious. Do, do you actually think they can put a, a deep enough, competent enough group around A.D., Kuzma, and, and uh, LeBron James with those $32 million and, and nobody else on the roster right now? So you're saying if they say, like, sign another Max guy, you know. I, I guess – 
Right, regardless of how they do it, I guess, Jake. You know, I don't know if that's multiple players, if that's one guy and a bunch of minimum guys. I don't know. But regardless of how they do it, you think it's, it's possible? Yeah, I think so. You know, say they even sign a guy for $32 million right now. You've got that max guy, let's say Kemba Walker, just to make it a hypothetical, along with AD, LeBron, and Kyle Kuzma. You know, that's a pretty solid core right there. You're going to get a lot of ring-chasing veterans that will sign there for the minimum. There's multiple exceptions they can use to sign guys above just the veterans' minimum. But think about it in a season from now when all of a sudden they get access to maybe like the mid-level exception, have $8 million to spend on one guy. You know, long-term, you're able to kind of put a think a, a consistent winner. And the West is going to be a little bit more open than any other year we've had in a very long time. So even if you don't have the best roster that you could have, it might be good enough next year. So back to the Pelicans, they declined to pick up a couple options, one for Chick Diallo, who has kind of been a fan favorite here but never really developed, and also Stanley Johnson they declined to pick up his option yesterday, Jake. Uh, any uh, surprises with those? you think there's any chance that those guys will be back for less money than what those options would have been? Yeah, no no big surprises. I definitely think Stanley Johnson's going to be gone. He just doesn't have enough of an offensive game. I wonder if he'll be in the NBA next year even. Uh, though he is a tenacious defender, tries really hard, is very fun to talk to. Chuck Diallo is maybe a minor surprise, but not really. This is a guy they've had now for a number of years who just hasn't developed into being that consistent backup big that you would like. He is the fan favorite. He's fun to watch. He does the Wakanda forever out there. He's very jumpy, springy, athletic, but can't be you know a well-rounded NBA player just yet in his career. His per 36-minute numbers look really good. This is a guy who can probably go and give you 15 and 10, but the problem is the defense, and that just has not developed. He also just has a fouling problem, which stops him from being on the court. And at this point, you may as well get someone who can contribute a little bit more than he can. But if free agency doesn't go his way or doesn't go the Pelicans' way, maybe he does come back on a minimum deal, given that they do have some familiarity with him. It made sense to decline the option. It's going to get him off the books, give the Pelicans more salary cap room. And I think that's kind of what they're looking for right now. It's Jake Madison of the Locked on Pelicans podcast, talking Pelicans with us here on The Last Slap. As you've analyzed this roster on your podcast, Jake, it's very deep. I know we've talked about that on our show before, but the, the biggest area or areas that you think they need to target come Sunday? There's two, really. I think first and foremost, you need to get a stretch big, a center or a power forward that shoots threes, that lets you get out there and space the court for Zion Williamson. It might not even need to be a guy who starts for you or closes games, but someone that lets you go out and try lineups with a court spacer next to Zion Williamson in the front court is going to be really important. Guys like Brooke Lopez jumped to mind, maybe bringing back Nikola Mirotic, Dwayne Dedman's a big that could do that. It sounds like they're not really in the running for Al Horford, so I think you can safely say that's not going to happen. But there's a number of guys out there that can really fulfill that role, maybe Maxi Kleber out of um, Dallas as well. The other position they need to try and bring in is some more wing depth. Right now, they really only have Brandon Ingram on the roster. You have each one more who's played that small forward position a little bit. Josh Hart, maybe in a pinch, can play there, but you need someone with more size to guard the LeBron Jameses of the world and other type of players. We also have a lot of questions about how Ingram's going to develop and if he's going to be a solid player at that spot for New Orleans. So adding some wing depth is definitely going to be an important thing. Look for him to maybe kind of kick the tires on some of those veteran guys that David Griffin's looking to bring in that add a lot to the culture, too. Maybe a guy like Trevor Ariza or a guy like like Jared Dudley, 
both those guys fit the bill. Should come pretty cheaply, too, which really fits what New Orleans is looking for. Oh, Ariza would really be interesting on this roster, Jake. Uh, the NBA free agency a little bit like NFL free agency where you have the waves. You're going to have the stars go in wave one, and a lot of teams are going to max out their space or spend most of their space on these star guys. Do you think the Pelicans will wait it out? Do you think they'll get involved because they – do have the money to offer a max guy, a max contract to somebody. And look, remember, they're already 10, 11 deep, so maybe they only need you know that one-star wing like you were saying. Yeah, I think they're going to be aggressive pretty early on. Just from hearing David Griffin talk, this is a guy who has a lot of vision and knows what he wants to do. And it doesn't strike me as, okay, let's wait and see how things play out and maybe pick up the pieces when they're left over. This is a guy who gets, wants to get right into the mix, start to make some changes and chase after the guys that he feels really strongly about. I think that's what you're going to see. I don't know if they have meetings lined up necessarily on the moment free agency starts, but they're going to meet with a number of guys. They've been linked to a number of players throughout this uh, kind of dead period right now. So I expect to see them get pretty busy, but look for them to maybe try and snap up a bargain or two later down the line in free agency. You mentioned the amount of cap space that's out there right now, and it's significant, but about 40% of the NBA are free agents right now, meaning some guys are going to be left on the dance floor without a partner, and you can maybe come in, sign them a little bit cheaper than you would have been otherwise. So there are going to be bargains to be had later on. I think that's maybe where David Griffin is going to get those, quote, culture-bearing veterans, end quote, that he's looking to bring in. So go after that big-name guy that is a difference maker for you immediately and then get the culture guys later on when they haven't signed with other teams. Okay, one guy who I've seen his name thrown around quite a bit the last 24 hours, and I know these are these are cycles, and this comes and goes, it seems like, every day, and then we're like, no, that's not happening 24 hours later. But uh, Tobias Harris, who was the forward for Philadelphia this last year, I've seen a couple of reports say Pelicans might be interested in him specifically. Thoughts, Jake? Yeah, I talked about him on today's edition of Locked on Pelicans, and I'm a big fan. It's going to take max money to bring him in, but this is a guy who played with three other stars in Philadelphia and still managed to average 18-something points, pretty close to 10 rebounds per game, and shoots very well from the three-point line. So he can space the court for Zion Williamson, and he doesn't have as high of a usage rate as some of the other guys out there in free agency, and he's learned how to excel a little bit in those kind of spots where maybe he's the third or fourth option. And maybe it's a lot to pay for your third or fourth option to give him a $32 million a year contract. It'd be somewhere like $42, $43 million in the final year of that deal. But he is a guy who can absolutely be a difference maker. And the second you put him on this Pelicans team is going to probably lead them to a playoff spot next year when you combine him, Drew Holiday, Zion Williamson, and the rest of the roster. It's a lot of mouths to feed, but this is a guy who's kind of been through that, which gives me a lot of confidence that he'll be able to kind of make that work here in New Orleans. And a guy who's going to have a lot of, for lack of a better term, resale value later down the line if it doesn't really work out you'll be able to trade him and get a nice return on him because he's that good of a player he's also young just 26 years old i think there's a lot to like about him out there the thing is he's been linked to about half of the teams in the league right now so you've got to wonder if this is his agent trying to drum up some leverage so i don't know how realistic it is to bring him in here but definitely an intriguing guy and i would love to see him in a pelicans uniform next year Okay, finally, Jake Madison, any names that you haven't mentioned? Maybe some surprise, maybe guys, like you said, are, are still dangling out there after all this money rush happens the first week or so that you'd like to see in the Pelicans uniform. 
Yeah, I'm going to give you a name that's not officially a free agent just yet, and that's Derek Favors on the Utah Jazz. He's owed $16.9 million next year, but it's an unguaranteed contract right now, meaning the Jazz could cut him, and he becomes an unrestricted free agent, and he can go out and you can sign him. Or maybe Utah looks to trade him, knowing they can get some return on him versus just cutting him outright. Maybe a second-round pick or two. It wouldn't take a whole lot. And I think that's a guy that doesn't space the court. He's, you know, a power forward center that gives you a lot of defense, tenacious rebounder, and just would add an absolute ton to the locker room, teaching some of the young guys on this roster. I think he'd be a good fit from that perspective. Does not space the court, but it would be a one-year deal you're looking at, meaning he could just expire and you've traded a second-round pick or two for him. No big deal. I think that's a move that makes a lot of sense for the Pelicans, but it hinges on the Utah Jazz deciding they want to part ways with him, something they're thinking about but not certain about just yet. Well, we're just a couple of days away from actually seeing what happens. Jake Madison, host of the Locked On Pelicans podcast. You can find that, again, every single day, your favorite podcasting app and LockedOnPelicans.com. Give Jake a follow on Twitter, at Nola Jake. Jake, always appreciate it, bud. Of course. Thanks for having me on, Seth. All right. We're going to take your calls. Coming back next, you, the audience, get on the horn, 504-260-1870. That's area code 504-260-1870. Who do you want to see in a Pelicans uniform? Who should they go after? Big name, maybe secondary name, guy who's off the radar. You can also text us at 870-870. I'm Seth Dunlap in the last lap, just about halfway through here on WWL. Talking Pelicans free agency, here's a text from the 985. Can you break down what all the Pelicans did in the draft? Quickly, LOL. Okay, Zion first pick, Jackson Hayes eighth pick. He's a center. Now you got to kill Alexander Walker, 17th pick from Virginia Tech. In the second round, they got a the shooter from Brazil. His name's uh, Didi Luzada Silva, but Didi's not his uh, real first name. It's, it's Marcos. Was that quickly enough? I don't know. They got four players. <laughs> Zion Williamson, Jackson Hayes, and Nikhil Alexander-Walker, and Didi Luzada Silva from Brazil. Those were the four players that they had. They had a fifth pick um, in the second round, but they traded that to the Golden State Warriors. Here's a text from the 504. Willie Cauley-Stein, 7 foot, 25 years old, would be a perfect fit. Yeah, I wouldn't mind, like I said yesterday, and I also wrote about this yesterday, would not mind at all seeing them bring in a big man, whether that's a stretch big or whether that's just your traditional rebound defensive guy on the interior but I do think that's one of the the holes on this team there are three holes in my mind that they could plug or use some depth with the number one thing and I agree with Jake is wing depth that's somebody who can play the three and four kind of swing back between the three and the four maybe if you go real small ball even rotate all the way down to the five a guy like Tobias Harris would fit that Maybe even a guy like Nico Miritich, if you think he can play at the three, although that's not his natural position. That's number one. Number two, and by the way, I do like Brandon Ingram, but until we actually see Brandon Ingram out there for an entire season and see his production level and see what he's shooting from three, because that three-point percentage dropped quite significantly last year from 38% all the way down to 33%. uh, I don't know if you can uh, completely count on him. Second, point guard depth yes they have both Lonzo Ball and Frank Jackson but they could use a third guy and really the guy to be the backup to Lonzo Ball because I don't Frank uh, think Frank Jackson is ready for that I think Alfred Payton would be perfect if you can get Alfred Payton back on any kind of you know team friendly deal and I don't think the market's going to be real huge for him I'm talking like a you know three million dollar deal something around that I think it was only what 1.6 last year 
I think he would make perfect sense. He's also from New Orleans, so he might want to stay if he gets an opportunity here. Might take a slightly less lucrative deal. I don't think he'll take a you know a massively less lucrative deal. And third is yeah a, a big guy, a guy who can play the five or maybe the four, rotate between those two, whether that's a stretch big or whether that's your defensive big. Those are the three spots that I think they need to address. If they can do those, do that, I think it would be a pretty darn good free agency period for them. Text from the 504, can you ask Jake if Patrick Beverly would be uh, fit and possible to sign? I like his D and he can hit the three. I have not seen Pat Patrick Beverly linked here. Here's a text from the 504. I'm reading if the Pelicans have like $30 million in cap space. What type of players can we get for money like that? Oh, I just told you. So there you go. Hopefully I answered that question, 504. Another text from the 504. Seth, my realistic wish list is Terry Rozier once he is released. Uh, Frank Kaminsky and Tobias Harris. Well, all three of those guys would actually – wouldn't. that's interesting. That text right there, wouldn't those three guys kind of check the boxes of what I just said? What I just said? That's a, Yeah, that's a good text. It's a good text. I don't know if they can actually make that happen. I'm not sure if they can get any one of those guys. It seems like those guys would want to go play uh, for a championship-type contender, especially a guy like Terry Rozier. But never say never, especially in a market that is this robust right now. Here's one from the 225. Jimmy Butler, a good fit or three-point shooter. Uh, Jimmy Butler's either going to be uh, with Philadelphia or with Los Angeles, I would highly assume. Not here in New Orleans. Almost no chance he's here in New Orleans. Now, it'd be great. He could play that small forward spot and be a great veteran leader, but also a little self-centered, not the, the the best. I don't think he's a bad locker room presence, but look, he's had his moments where he's kind of a me guy in the past. I don't know if that's the locker room presence that Davis, uh, David Griffin wants. Another one from the 225. Do you think Jackson Hayes and Nikhil Alexander-Walker will have a spot on the main roster? Will they be sent to the G League? I expect both of those guys to kind of bounce back and forth from uh, your developmental to uh, the roster. But right now, you're already 11 deep, and you have that $30 million in cap space. Nice problem to have. Got to take a quick break for CBS News, but the phone lines are open. Go ahead and give us a call. You can tell me. What do you want to see for the Pelicans? 504-260-1870. That's 504-260-1870. Our text line is 870-870. We'll also talk some Saints and Michael Thomas contract. Lots to talk about, well, uh, be loyal. Reward the guys who've been here. But is it about loyalty or championships? We'll get into that in Mike Triplett coming up at 940. Kind of switch the conversation to Saints now, at least for the next half hour. And then we'll have Mike Dettelier. We'll replay my conversation with him. It is fantastic. Every single Saints fan who's listening right now, I don't care if you're going to get home, you're going to have some dinner, wherever you're going, you need to listen to Mike Dettelier next hour on this show. He has some really fascinating stuff when he analyzes what's going to happen with this team in the offseason. He predicts what's going to happen with this Saints team in the coming season. So uh, we have a situation here with the Saints. and We went over this yesterday. I don't want to rehash the Michael Thomas conversation I had on Sports Talk completely, but – they're getting ready to renew and extend Michael Thomas. Not renew, but extend Michael Thomas. And all indications are, both straight from the horse's mouths, Sean Payton and Mickey Loomis, Sean Payton in a press conference and Mickey Loomis on Sirius XM, certainly seems like they're going to make and willing to make Michael Thomas the highest paid receiver in the National Football League, which would be over $18.5 million. Now, Michael Thomas has said he wants $22 million. That is traditional posturing in contract negotiations where you're going to go a little higher 
than the number that you eventually expect to get. I would expect this number settles right around $20 million a year. I guess it does depend on how much guaranteed money they're willing to throw at Michael Thomas. Maybe they just do a fully guaranteed contract with Thomas, and, and that would you know, lower the value, overall value, quite a bit. But there's another way I want to think about this. And it was, was kind of spur in the moment yesterday. I started thinking about the Patriots when we were talking to some of the callers on Sports Talk. And the Patriots, the model franchise in the NFL, we know that. Sometimes it's a little boorish to talk about the Patriot way. It gets cliche because, well, not every team's going to have the best coach of all time and the greatest quarterback of all time on their roster. And you're able to well, mask a lot of deficiencies with those two things. No surprise. It's not like every team can copy the Patriots' model and be completely successful. But one way the Patriots have kept this dominance through a decade and a half, 17 years now, is they are the most ruthless front office in the National Football League. They care not about loyalty to players that they had drafted or have been on the roster for a long time. That's not to say that they don't like guys who are still producing. They do. One of the reasons why Tom Brady is still there is, well, he's still playing like one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. I would bet uh, my bottom dollar that if Bill Belichick was still around and he saw Tom Brady pulling a Peyton Manning in his swan song uh, you know, a couple of years ago when they had Jimmy Garoppolo on the roster, probably Tom Brady would have won that power struggle that happened behind the scenes, but Tom Brady only wasn't. Now, when you talk about Michael Thomas here in New Orleans, lots of people throw around the term loyalty. And this happens all the time. When you have a, a guy who was drafted and developed by this franchise or whatever franchise you, know, you may be a fan of around the National Football League, you say, well, man, that, that's our guy. He's been here his entire professional career. I can't imagine him playing anywhere else. And with Michael Thomas specifically, we've had people say, and look correctly, that well, he's been on the field producing like the best or one of the two, three best receivers in the National Football League. He's done his, some historic things that have never been done before in the NFL, most receptions through his first three years of anybody in NFL history. So you want to be loyal and reward a guy for that because you want to show the other guys in your roster, well, we value loyalty. Well, here's what I would ask to you the Saints fans listening, every single Saints fan, or really any, any football fan listening out there. And I think this goes beyond football. What do you value more, loyalty or championships? Now, sometimes those two things can go hand in hand. But oftentimes, and the vast majority of the time in the National Football League, those two things are separate and distant. The New England Patriots are cutting bait with players that are beloved in the locker room but that Bill Belichick doesn't believe and his coaching staff don't believe are living up to well, the value of the contract that they've signed or they don't believe will perform to the value of the contract that they're wanting in free agency. I firmly believe that the New England Patriots would not be re-signing Michael Thomas. They just wouldn't. The New England Patriots wouldn't care about loyalty with Michael Thomas. They would see $20 million, 10%, a little more of that, a cap space, going to one wide receiver, and they would think, 
well, that $20 million can be spent far more effectively. We can bolster two, three, maybe even four positions on our roster, not just one. And by the way, a position that is, and this is just the real truth, it's unfair perhaps to receivers, but it is the truth, the wide receivers position is highly dependent on your quarterback play. The New England Patriots haven't cared about loyalty. The New England Patriots have six championships. Every other franchise in the NFL, it seems like to some extent, has cared about loyalty. The Saints, pretty loyal bunch here. That's why people really love Sean Payton. Players really love Sean Payton and Mickey Loomis and this coaching staff. I get it. But the Saints only have one championship. So what do you care about? Do you care about loyalty? Or do you care about championships? You let me know. 504-260-1870. Our text line's 870-870. We'll also ask Mike Triplett this question. The ESPN.com NFL Nation reporter covering the Saints. He joins us next. I'm Seth Dunlap. and This is the last lap on WWL. It's really interesting to think about. And I just posted this poll on my Twitter, at Seth Dunlap. What do you want your favorite professional teams to prioritize? Loyalty or championships? Yes, yeah, sometimes they can go hand in hand. But often, the vast majority of the time, they do not, especially in a salary-capped league like the NFL. Of course, this goes back to the Michael Thomas contract negotiation. certainly seems like the Saints are just about ready to ink their superstar wide receiver to a long-term extension. Let's bring on in Mike Triplett to talk about this, ESPN NFL Nation reporter covering the Saints every single day at ESPN.com. I'm sure you bookmark that page, and you can also follow Mike on Twitter, at Mike Triplett. Mike, what's going on tonight, bud? Not much. How are you doing? Look, I'm good. I think it's it's fascinating as we get further into these Michael contract uh, contract discussions, and it seems like um, it it becomes more inevitable. Mike, am I reading that right? With every passing day that this deal is going to get done, with everything coming out of uh, the Saints' offices, I think it will get done because I think the Saints have decided he's a guy they're going to pay, and they have not always done that in the past with skill position players. Obviously, uh, they did. Uh, after much hand-wringing, pay Jimmy Graham and then trade him soon after. They traded Brandon Cooks before his contract was up. Uh, haven't really paid a lot of running backs uh, money. But I just think that um, Thomas is different, both because of what a special player he is, how well he fits in this offense, and the fact that they don't have a deep group of options behind him. They really, really need him more than they probably ever needed a skill position player on this team right now. So I think they've sort of, made it you know on the record off the record pretty clear that he is going to get another contract i don't think it's going to be that easy to complete though because there are so many receivers out there right now in similar negotiations including julio jones and amari cooper that i think all of them probably either want to say all right we'll sign it today if you give us like 21 million a year otherwise we want to wait and let the other guy go first and then we can top him with our deal I think whoever goes first is, is going to – I cannot believe it gets done quickly unless it's at least $20 million a year, which which ultimately might might be what it costs. And it seems like a game of chicken with, with those two because, you know, does Julio want to go first? Does Michael Thomas want to go first? And, and Mike, I just – I don't know exactly when we're going to see that. I guess maybe this could drag all the way into – deep into training camp and, and into preseason. The one, I mean, in theory, Michael Thomas is the guy who really has to sign it because Julio is making like $17 million or whatever he's making this year. Michael Thomas is making like $1.1 million this year. <laughs> right. Yeah. He doesn't want to play without that new deal. Um, yeah, because Thomas is, or like Jones is going for his third 
third contract, and, and Thomas is still on his rookie deal. Um, but uh, but knowing how much is out there for him, yeah, he's not going to rush into this. He's not going to give a hometown discount. They're going to pay him what's fair. I, I said this. I made this comment. It's it's unbelievable that the numbers happen to be exactly what they were with Breeze's deal in 2012. At that time, Tom Brady and Peyton Manning were the highest paid quarterbacks in the league at 18 million. Um, and right now, Odell Beckham is the highest paid receiver in the league at 18 million. And Breeze's agent was, you know, asking for like 23 to start with. The Saints were trying to keep it at like 18.5, then 19, then 19.2. And we were all just like, why are they doing this? Why don't they just say 20? That's where they're <laughs> obviously going to end up. Why don't they just do this tomorrow? I feel it's like it's pretty similar with the Thomas deal. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like they're going to settle on 20. That's kind of what we predicted for quite a while here. We're talking to Mike Triplett, ESPN NFL Nation reporter who covers the Saints uh, here on the last lap. Mike, does this feel like – is it a win-win? Is it a lose-lose? I almost feel like this is a lose-lose from a Saints perspective because you'd have a fan revolt if you didn't re-sign Michael Thomas. But the history of these big-time, high-paid receivers across the NFL, their franchises just aren't com- championship competitive almost ever. Yeah, but I just think the salary cap has skyrocketed so much recently that it's hard to look at history because you could probably say the same. Uh, I think the position that has skyrocketed recently is defensive end, pass rusher, edge rusher, uh, defensive line in general. And I don't think anyone's feeling buyer's remorse over like the $23 million deals that Khalil Mack and Aaron Donald got. And, you know, uh, I, I, I think that's probably a more important position than receiver or a harder position to replace maybe than receiver. But, um, you know, that's just that's just what the top guys are at, at multiple different positions are getting paid now. We, there used to be – it wasn't that long ago when there was talk of teams have never won with a $20 million quarterback before. Well, now we're having $35 million quarterbacks. The money has just become uh, too hard to wrap your brain around. You, you almost need to look at them individually, though. And, and I think right now Michael Thomas is probably the second most important person on the team behind Drew Brees and, and – I don't mind the idea of paying $20 million to the second most important person on your team, um, sort of regardless of what that position is. Yeah, that seems to be the the common thought by people who cover this team every day. And and now here's a really tough question, Mike, and I don't really know if if I have an answer for this, and if I do, I'm I'm kind of ashamed at the answer that I would have. But when you look at the (laughs) NFL specifically, because it's a capped league, do you think that – teams and I guess every team except for the Patriots do you think that teams are too loyal the value loyalty too much and that's costing them frankly costing them championships because if you go back to the Patriots they're the most disloyal franchise in the league but they're also a franchise (laughs) that's won you know six championships yeah I don't necessarily think that's true though because I think the Patriots are sort of famous for doing everything and people think they do it well like I mean everybody thinks they're the team that trades down in the draft so that means trading down in the draft it works and uh, they get rid of their veterans uh, you know early so that means getting rid of your veterans early is the right thing to do um, I just think the Patriots know how to win and so you know it, it's sort of you know revisionist for people to think everything they do means that's the way it's supposed to be done. Um, I think there's a lot of teams that, that cut their players early or demand that they take pay cuts. I mean, the Saints have been pretty pretty savage. I, I, I don't remember a lot of contracts that I'd say the Saints have signed with guys, their second or third deals, where they paid them for too long and they were too loyal. I mean, 
I'm just thinking back now to like letting uh, Carl Nix go. Uh, actually, it hurt them the year that they let Vilma and Will Smith and Jabari Greer and Roman Harper and you know Malcolm Jenkins all go in the same year. Uh, it actually hurt them. So, I think I think you would find in most teams' history that they can be pretty cutthroat. If a guy's not worth his salary anymore, that guy's usually gone. Yeah, it's a great point, which is why the, you know, the Michael Thomas contract negotiations are intriguing to me because I never even thought about paying a receiver even closer to this much percentage of the cap. And one more, Mike, yeah. as we approach the, the end of you – know, I got, well, I don't even know we're approaching. I guess we've got four weeks left, but it seems like it's tomorrow. We're going approach, <laughs> to approach the end of the summer break. We are the training camp. I mean, we are going forward toward it, so we are oh, approaching geez. it. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, you know, everybody's taking vacation because we can now, and then it's like, oh, boy, yeah. here we go. we got a couple of weeks of vacation, then we're back at this. But uh, any areas of this team that you're the most concerned about as we enter training camp? Yeah, well, look, we just talked about one of them. Um, last year, Michael Thomas caught 125 balls, Alex Snyder caught 81 balls, and no one else caught 35, more than 35. And that was Ben Watson, who's gone. So, I think we're, you know, I think Jared Cook looked really good in shorts in OTAs. I love the the signing. I love the fit. Uh, but I think we're heaping a lot on a guy who has, you know, pretty inconsistent production in the past. Um, I think he needs to step up. I think Ted Ginn needs to step up. I need some. I think someone from that group of Traquan Smith, Keith Kirkwood, possibly a healthy Cameron Meredith. I, like I want to know who's going to be catching those passes in this offense, and, and I don't know that they've completely answered that yet. And I still wonder about the, the pass rush. I think it was the strength of their defense last year. But they let Alex Okafor go, and that was a guy who played about 65 70% of their defensive snaps last year. Um, and, and they didn't really replace him with anyone. And uh, then Sheldon Rankins is going to be missing for the first half of the season probably. Uh, and he played at a Pro Bowl level last year. And I like the Malcolm Brown signing at nose tackle, but I don't think they replaced Sheldon Rankins with a pass rushing defensive tackle. So I, I think the pass rush went from a great strength to a big question mark. Uh, real quick, Mike, do you, do you have any timetable estimates for Sheldon Rankins? I've heard middle of the season a lot. Is that about right? Yeah, I mean, the pup list makes perfect sense, which is um, that he would have to miss like the first six to eight weeks of the season if he begins on pup list. Um, or if he starts on injured reserve somehow, then he would have to miss eight weeks. So that just makes sense for that to be the timetable. Um, it, it sure doesn't look like they're considering having him be ready sooner than that because we didn't see him on the pad still. We didn't even see him running alongside with trainers. Um, so I, 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 would, I would assume he's a guy that's not going to play in those first six, seven, eight games. Gotcha. It's Mike Triplett, ESPN NFL Nation reporter covering the Saints. Bookmark that page, and be sure you follow Mike on Twitter at Mike Triplett. Mike, thanks so much, man, and I will see a lot more of you here in a few weeks. I hope this uh, next four weeks goes as slow as possible. <laughs> Me too. Me too. Drag, <laughs> drag it out. Uh, <laughs> there he goes, Mike Triplett. Always enjoy the conversation. If you want to hop on in, 504-260-1870, and our text line is 870 870- 870, a text from the 504 saying, trade Michael Thomas for two number ones next year. Well, maybe you have a situation, an Odell Beckham situation, where things go poorly. I think that's the only way this would happen. You know, Drew Brees, he drops off. Maybe he retires. You don't have the heir apparent here. Maybe they do pull an Odell Beckham and find a suitor or take on his contract. It's certainly possible. Well, back after this on the last level. Here's a text from the 985 talking about Michael Thomas's contract, kind of the hot news with the Saints right now. Drew can make any receiver look good when he's having a good year, TBH. Yeah, no, that, that's very true, but I will push back on that 
with Michael Thomas, I think last year you could make an argument that Michael Thomas was doing as much to make Drew look good as Drew was making Michael Thomas look good maybe the last few years. I don't think that's a shot at Drew. I don't think that's a shot at Michael Thomas. I think that's just the reality. I think Michael Thomas is that special. You put Michael Thomas on any team with any halfway sufficient quarterback, and I think he's going to put up big-time numbers. I think this is a you know DeAndre Hopkins type. DeAndre Hopkins hasn't had superstar quarterbacks around him his entire career, but he's still putting up massive numbers, and people still believe that, and most people believe, he's the best receiver in the league or right there with Julio Jones, who's the best receiver in the league. By the way, I do think Deshaun Watson is a superstar in waiting. I've been on that train. I'm not worried about that knee injury from a couple of years ago. I've watched too much of Deshaun Watson there in Houston. I think they have an absolute star in the making. And I think Houston is a sneaky Super Bowl favorite this year. Uh, here's a text from the 504. Ten years and one, uh, what is this, uh, $1 billion? I don't know what that's about with Michael Thomas. Yeah, Ten years and $1 billion, I'll take that. What's that, $100 million a year? Who knows? The way these salary caps are inflating, maybe we'll see a quarterback uh, may, you know, sign a 10-year, $100 billion contract uh, in our lifetime. I, I wouldn't – I mean, a $1 billion contract in our lifetime. I wouldn't uh, – I wouldn't put it past anybody. In fact, I, I was surprised in Major League Baseball that Bryce Harper and Manny Machado didn't shine for, you know, uh, Mike Trout also recently. I'm surprised they didn't sign for $400 million plus. Uh, that was that was kind of where it's going. But the baseball contract inflation have, have kind of, well, plateaued just a little bit. Congrats to Vanderbilt yesterday as they uh, went two in a row against Michigan. They become your College World Series champ, so the championship trophy resides in the SEC once again. I think most SEC fans pretty happy about that. Congrats to the Commodores. Michigan just a uh, little too injured, lost a player in game two, and just not enough talent. And they just had all sorts of problems hitting that staff over the last couple of days. If you missed it, just a couple of Pelicans news and notes here. Chick Diallo and Stanley Johnson, they had their rights renounced to RFA, so those guys will be unrestricted free agents. Stanley Johnson almost certainly will not be back. Uh, Chick Diallo probably not back with the depth they have, but perhaps on something like a minimum contract. Also, they were involved in a three-way trade with the Los Angeles Lakers and the Washington Wizards to help well, Los Angeles free up that cap space. Now, New Orleans gets... Um, you know, one-plus million dollars back in cash from Washington. And also Anthony Davis, he renounces that uh, trade kicker for $4 million. So that gives the Pelicans a little more money there. It also helps out um, the Los Angeles Lakers because it'll be $4 million less um, that they'll have to pay. So they free up a max slot. I am curious to watch this play out in Los Angeles. Look, this is a superstar-driven league, but also I, I don't think you can win this thing with three superstars, Kyle Kuzma, and then a bunch of minimum contract dudes. I just – call me crazy, but I, I, I just don't think that can happen, and especially we consider Anthony Davis's injury history. LeBron James has been injured last year. I don't know. I, I am very intrigued to watch this play out in Los Angeles. Next hour, Mike Dettelier most of the hour as we talk, and we'll talk a lot of Saints. He's also down at the Manning Passing Academy today. So Saints fans, NFL fans, Mike D, full hour with him coming up next. How powerful is Cox Internet? 
powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023.